Want to experience Christ United like never before? Download our app today. You can watch live and previous messages, take sermon notes, get calendar updates, find giving options, and more. Just go to your app store and search Christ United. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on our church, check out ChristIsLove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at ChristUnitedMB. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message. That was powerful. (laughs) That was awesome. You guys are quiet. Can you give God what he deserves right now? This is like the perfect message for today. Because as we have like half the people sitting in worship that you would normally have, the rest of you are online. You're either online today, you're listening on podcasts, you're doing whatever. And so what I want to talk to you about today is so relevant. You're just going to absolutely love it. Because today's sermon is entitled this. Well, that ain't working either. Um, I think that today's sermon is entitled, yeah, look at that. Going to church is a waste of time. Going to church is a waste of time. I want to know how many people have ever honestly felt that way, at least just a little bit. I want to say this is probably a reality right here, that going to church to hear a sermon, sermon is a waste of my time. And now let me say that if that's the only reason that you were coming is to hear a sermon It's a waste of your time. And here's why. Because sermons, I mean, God's word will change your life. It will. It's powerful. It's impactful. But if you're only coming to hear a sermon, you can hear a sermon online. Right? You can hear it on a podcast. You can hear it anywhere. So you can save yourself about two or three hours worth of getting ready, coming to church, driving back, all that kind of stuff. Just stay home and watch it. Because if you're coming just to hear a sermon, you're, you're wasting your time. Now, when you think about that, so many people here know that like Sunday is the only day that somebody might have to rest. It's come to the point now that in modern church attendance that I think the average is somewhere around one out of every four Sundays that the average person who comes calls themselves a Christian, goes to a a gathering of worship, one out of every four. Because, well, it's my only day to rest, it's my only day to do. In fact, there's a lot of other things that need to be done on that day these days, like, for instance, travel ball. If you're in soccer or basketball or baseball or or softball, whatever, there's all this stuff happening on Sunday that's drawing you out uh, to go and do it. Yet there are some people, at least way back in the day, who used to not let anything get in the way of getting together to worship God. You remember that? Um, if you ever watched the movie Chariots of Fire, if you're old like me, you remember it back in 81. But it goes all the way back to 1924 when Eric Little, a Scottish Christian um, who was a runner, he nailed the 100 meter. He could win it and everybody knew it, but the 100 meter was being run on Sunday. And he just said, I won't run it. Because I'm going to be there. I'm going to be worshiping God. And so instead he ran the 400 that he wasn't prepared for on a Saturday and still won the gold. It was like awesome, you know. But what is it about this guy that made him feel like it was so important for him to be in worship? And it seems like, well, that's the way it used to be. But guys, it's not just the way it used to be. It's true 
today. In fact, there's, there's a, a young adult that's a, a member of a family in our congregation who was a phenomenal soccer player in his early teens, um, actually was on the track for Olympic preparation. So he had all kinds of opportunities uh, to get the best of training and be on the best teams. And his dad said one day, he's around 16, 17 years old, and he walks through the house, he opens up this letter, and it's from the Olympic training kind of thing, you know, and, and he just throws the letter down and walks into his room and so the dad follows him into the room and says what's up man what what are you upset about that was from the, you know that's a good news letter right he said no he said they have their practices on Sundays I can't do it I'm going like man does that rock I mean what is it that would call somebody to say I'm not gonna miss well, I want to tell you that for both them, for Eric Little and for this gentleman, for anybody else who actually thinks that being here is extremely important, they realize something. That going to church, if I'm thinking about me and what I, and just me, may be a waste of my time, but these guys realize that going to church, that coming to worship is not about them. And it's not until you realize that it's not about me that you're going to begin to get what this is really all about. First of all, I want to tell you, it's about Him. It's about God. And it's about glorifying and worshiping Him. It's about giving to Him what He deserves. And so many people will say to me, but I can worship God anywhere. I heard a guy say recently, he said, it's better to be sitting in a deer stand thinking about God than sitting in church thinking about deer. <laughs> so, well, yeah, that kind of was a point, right? Psalm 19 verse 1 says that the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. And you're thinking to yourself, man, you know, I mean, I can worship him anywhere. Yeah, out here in nature, I see him glorified and everything's good. You know, and I can worship him anywhere. In fact, for some of you who are watching online right now, this is your life verse for worship. Psalm 149 verse 5. Let his faithful people rejoice in this honor and sing for joy on their beds. Right? And you're there right now with your bowl of cereal and your coffee, and you're going like, yes, that's me. You know what I'm saying? But that psalm actually begins with verse 1 that says this, Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, His praise in the assembly of His faithful people. What is it about the people coming together? It really is caught beautifully in Psalm 66, verse 2, where it says this, Sing the glory of His name. Make His praise glorious. This is about us glorifying Him. And let me illustrate. This stage, before it became a church... At one time was a theater for a nationally known uh, music artist, okay? And we can't, I'm not going to say who it is because this is a little bit embarrassing, but, but that nationally known musical artist was on this stage and we visited this stage when he was performing. And many people said they loved him and they loved his music. They had his music at home. They could listen to it on their, you know, they, it was records back in the day. You know, they, could, they could listen to him. And, and so we were here and on the day that we came to his concert, when people were to hear to say, man, this is how much we value him and it's worth driving a great distance to get here and all that kind of stuff just to be in the venue and experience, you know, this guy leading and doing what he can do. Um, Y'all, on that night, there were more people on the stage than there were in the audience. There were probably 30 people on stage, including him. There were probably 20 in the audience. And it was embarrassing. 
It was, and it was kind of like saying it was for him. And you could see it was wrecking his heart because it felt like, man, I'm not valued. Obviously, people don't think I'm worth getting out to come and see. And for everybody who sat there, you kind of had this sick feeling in your stomach that was kind of like, man, he, he must be kind of a has-been, right? He must just be kind of a has-been because nobody's showing up for him anymore. Some places are packing out, you know. I mean, some people can get, get stadiums of 50,000 people filled, and he can't get 20 people in a little theater. Must be a has-been. How many people feel like that's the way it looks to people concerning God? Must be a has-been. Used to be people packed it out and people were there and people were giving him glory and people were like, this is, he's the one. And now where is it? And, and oh yeah, well, I love God. I love him on my deer stand. I love him in my bed. I, you know, I, but, but is he worth it to you to say in the public eye, I'm going to come together with everybody else that thinks he is everything and we're going to let him know that he's everything together. Yeah. And so I want to ask you this question. Yes, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. They're doing their job. I want to know when you're doing it. I want to know when you're getting together to say to everybody around you and everybody in the world, he's worth it. I will give him all the glory and all that I can to honor his name. But then you may ask the question, what's in it for me, right? As you think about this. This, this desire to glorify the Lord together. What's in it for me? And, and, and I want to tell you what's in it for you. It's huge. What's in it for you is this. is once you get off yourself and you get on Him and you get into Him and you start seeing who God truly is and you get rid of this low view of God and you begin to see His glory and His power and His majesty and the depth of His love and all the resources in this universe at His disposal Suddenly, in him, you find literally everything you need. Do you get this point? In him, you find everything you need. And so when you get together in a gathering of his people and you're reminded of his greatness, I guarantee you, you leave feeling like, God, the problems that I had when I walked in here are so much smaller. The fears that I have have been allayed. The, the guilt I had is gone. The joy I have is inexpressible. You find joy. You find peace. You find strength. You find hope. You find everything you need in him. And so I was talking with a gentleman this week, and he said he had gone for 35 years of his life without being a part of worship. And he said, when I started going to church, what took me back was not all the great programs I had, wasn't the people who greeted me. He said it was the experience of being in the power and presence of God like I could be nowhere else. And here's the reality is God's power and presence is, permeates the universe and he lives in us and lives with us and we live in him. He is no place can you ever escape him. But he said that what he intends to do is when people are gathered together and brought together in his name to bring him glory, that he reveals himself in a way that you don't experience when you're alone. Do you understand what I'm talking about? It's like the difference between listening to Adele in your car and being in the concert. You know what I'm saying? There's something that's wired in to us as human beings created by God that he says, I will bring something in the together that's not there in the alone. 
And I want you to know that when you come together, that I am going to reveal myself and you're going to experience me. How many people, and don't raise your hand, but have ever just found yourself like, God, I just feel like crying, like tears of joy for some reason. Or for some reason right now, I feel a peace like I haven't felt. For some reason right now, I feel something leaping up in me. And God's saying, you don't ever want to miss that. In fact, Psalm 42 is written by, by the, the, the worshiper who was in a place of he's so broken and he's so hurting and he's saying, my tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? He's in this really desperate place. And then he says this, it's Psalm 42, verse 4. He says, then I began to remember these things. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. He's saying, I remember how it felt when I was with God's people and we were being reminded of the greatness of God. And when I was with God's people and being reminded of the greatness of God, this feeling wasn't overcoming me. And then he says in the next verse, he said, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. I want to tell you that if you want to have the freedom from the, the depression and the anxiety and the fear and the junk that goes on in your life, it is imperative that you come together with God's people and be reminded of who he really is and what he can really do in your life. And so now, yeah, you can give God a hand for that. And so that's why this precious expression in Psalm 34, 3, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together will begin to mean something to you. I want to get together with God's people. And so that kind of leads us into the next point. It's not about me. It's about him. It's also not about me. It's about us. And when I say about us, I mean it's not just me, it's all of us. It's about us. There's something about the gathering of people that, that brings glory to God, but it also brings a blessing to us. And God created from the very beginning that to be at the center of his heart and desire for us. And so if you read Leviticus chapter 23, you'll find out that, that there are festivals that were set up among the people of Israel and they would come together for sacred assemblies where everybody got together over and over and over again. Not just on the Sabbath day, but they would have big gatherings. They got all the people together from all the different gatherings and said, let's get together because being together was so important. In fact, it was at one of those great festivals, the festival of Pentecost, that the church really began. Jesus had told his disciples, I'm going to come. I'm going to bring you together. I'm going to create a gathering of people for the purpose of changing the world. And he did it on a day during a festival called Pentecost. And it said that all the disciples were gathered together in one place. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gather you together and I'm going to empower you and you together are going to make a huge difference. And he came and he filled them and he moved in them. And in the city that they were in at that time, there were people from all over the world, every nation under the sun, people had gathered together who loved and honored God. And they said, we're going to get everybody together. And when we get everybody together, I'm going to move. And I'm going to move so powerfully in that process. And they continue to meet together. That's Acts chapter 2, verse 46. They just continue to meet together every day like this. They would get together on a daily basis and just say, let's get back because God's doing something among us, with us, in us. In fact, when John sees the very end in the Revelation, he sees what it's going to be like when we get to heaven. He says this in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. He says... After this, I looked, 
And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and they had palm branches in their hand. He was saying, look, I saw it. And when I saw what it's ultimately going to be, it's going to be us together. It's going to be all of us together because God moves powerfully in us and through us. And so for everybody here who kind of feels, yeah, but, you know, that's those weak people who need people like that. You know what I'm saying? I'm good on my own. And you might be at home thinking I'm good on my own. You might listen to this on a podcast and think I'm good on my own. I want you to know that what the Bible says is absolutely true. And that is you weren't created to be alone. You are not an individual entity. You are part of, were created to be a part of a body. And that body is a gathering of people that are so interconnected that they are like the parts of a physical body. And so Paul said it this way. He said that the, the, the eye can't say to the foot, I don't, I mean, to the hand, I don't need you. And in the same way, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. If you're a person who's just feeling like, I don't need the body, I want to tell you that you would literally be like an eyeball with no other body part around you. How many of you right now, you're living like an eyeball? You're rolling around thinking you're great, but you know, you're in this, this place where you're missing the reality that you're just a small part of something way bigger than you. And you think about the great things that you're able to do. Man, I can see. I can blink. No, you haven't got an eyelid. You can't even blink, right? But, but you're just a part of something much bigger than yourself. And God's saying, you can't say you don't need the rest of the body. And then for somebody else, they're sitting here at home or maybe out here thinking, yeah, but my problem is not that I don't think I need them. I don't think they need me. I don't think they need me. So Paul said this. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to become, I mean, cease to be a part of the body. You get that picture? So the foot says, man, I'm not a hand. I'm not important. Here's the truth. Don't you realize, I want you to get this. You Whoever you are, as, as, as worthless and, and meaningless as you may feel to the body, you are an essential, vital part of this body. And without you, we can't be who we were created to be. I had a friend who had the tip of his pinky cut off. He was on his way to play, play professional football as a quarterback, and just the tip of his pinky kept him from being able to do it. He's probably 220 pounds. He was a just a super strong athlete in every way. That one little pink, pinky tip kept him from doing what it was that he was created to do. You may feel like a pinky tip. Anybody? God says you're vital to what's happening in this place. And so then you might ask the question, but, but then what does this mean to me? Uh, what, what does this mean to me? I mean, okay, ha, what's in it for me? If it's about us, what's in it for me? Here's what's in it for you is that you are a part of us and you are absolutely vital. I, I want you to understand something, that you belong. You not only belong, you are absolutely essential to us. I was visiting this, the, a precious lady that, that had, had stopped coming to church and everybody always feels like people stop coming to church because they don't like us anymore. Almost all the time it's because they don't feel like they matter anymore and I was reminded of that as she, as she was telling me that man you know I just don't feel like I matter and I told her something and I felt it so deeply I said we are not us without you we are not us without you and you leave a void when you're not there we aren't us we need you all right now last one is this you ready 
We know it's about him. We know it's about us. And you, we are all, man, we are vital to this. But finally, it's about them. And, and l- let me illustrate what I say when I say that it's about them. Um, some, some of you heard the story. It's so powerful. But, but a, a young lady who had given her life to Christ in our church, the, one of the first, over 20 years ago. No, no, almost 20 years ago. Um, uh, she had given her life to Christ uh, as a part of Christ United when we met in a little auditorium at Coastal Carolina University. And, and she was worshiping in this venue many years later. And she said, I was sitting there. And she said, and you were preaching, talking to me. And she said, and I thought to myself, Jeff has lost it. <laughs> she did. She said, he just hadn't got it anymore. And she said, and, and I was thinking to myself, you know, I can remember when I used to cry just about every single week. And just about every single week, I'd just be blown away by what I was hearing. I'd just be so torn up and amazed. And she said, and then I was sitting there going like, I hadn't cried in weeks. He's lost it. <laughs> and then she said, I really felt this prompting from the Holy Spirit in my heart for God to say, look both ways, look down the aisles. And look at the people around you. She said, I looked down this way and I said, and there were people crying. And I looked down this way and there were people crying and there were people leaning forward in their seats. And there were people, there were people just being wrecked and moved so powerfully. And she said, and then God spoke to me so clearly and said, it's not about you anymore. You found it. You know me. You've experienced, you've heard it. It's changed your life. Now it's time for you to rejoice in changing other people's lives. It's time for you to be a part of that. Right? Right? And so Jesus tells this story about these two sons. And the younger son had said to his father, give me my share of the state. And he, he, he left his father and left his brother and went off into a distant country and squandered his wealth and wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole land and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into the field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but nobody gave him anything. But when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll get up and go back to my father and I'll say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him, ran to him, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. And he began to say, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The father interrupted it and called his servants and said, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on. Bring a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this Son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, listen to this. This is for you. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. He was working, doing dad's will, everything else. When he came to the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, the servant replied. And your father's killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So the father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and you never even gave me a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. And this son of yours who has squandered your wealth with prostitutes comes and you kill the fattened calf for him. And the father said, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate because this brother of yours 
was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. Do you get what dad's saying? Dad's saying, dude, the party is for us. The party is not just for your brother. This part, the, the calf, go eat it, man. You know what I'm saying? Get in the party because you are celebrating that you have a brother who was dead and is now alive. You have a brother who was lost and is now found. Get out of yourself and get into the party. Do you get the picture? We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours. Now listen, I, here's what I want to say. Is that if you're wondering what's in it for you, their party is your party. Their joy is your joy. When you get out of yourself and you start realizing that it's about these precious people that are loved by God and loved by you. It's about them coming to know what an awesome gift is waiting for them in a relationship that will change their forever. And man, when you see lives change like that. It brings joy. And guess what? Ever since then, Deb's joy has come from what? Watching brothers and sisters come home week in, week out. Watching God change lives. And her celebration and her party has never stopped. And now the tears are tears of joy for other people and for what God's doing in them. So listen, did you think it, have you ever thought going to church is a waste of my time? It's not about you. It's about Him. But in Him... You will find literally everything you need. It's about us. And we are not us without you. You belong. You are vital to us. We need you desperately. And you need us desperately. Two of our college students were talking when they were visiting at our house. And, and, and one of them uh, was telling me about how she was just crying one Sunday in church. And one of the other college girls just came up, put her arms around her, didn't even know what was going on, just began to pray for her. There are times when you're going to need somebody to just put their arms around you and pray for you. But on those days when you're feeling like, I'm doing good, guess what? There's somebody else who needs your arm around them. It's about us. And then finally, it's about them. It's about those people that, that God loves so much and you love so much watching their forever be changed. It's about them. And it's about reaching out and bringing them home. And so now here's the thing. Do you realize today? Do you realize that it's about him? It's about us. It's about them. And in that, I'm going to find everything that's going to bring me joy and peace and meaning and fulfillment. I need to be here. But for somebody else here today, this is the most important. Oh, this is so beautiful. Because somebody here is going like, you know what? I feel like this whole thing has been about me. I feel like it's all been about me. Because honestly, I kind of lost touch with who he really is. And I'm sitting in this place and I am realizing that God is far greater, far more loving, far more interested in my life and my heart than I ever thought possible. And you're thinking to yourself, and I was thinking it's about me. And for the, maybe the first time I realized that I belong, that God wants me to be a part of a gathering of people for the purpose of changing the world. He wants me to belong to a people to where I'm needed. I need them and they need me. And, and then you're realizing the most important part. When I said it's about them, you realize I am one of them. I'm the one that's sitting here today getting it for the first time like Debbie did 18 years ago. I'm getting it that really, ultimately, the party at the end of this service is going to be for me because I'm coming home today.
today. He's going to wrap his arms around me. He's going to forgive me for all the stuff I did while I was running from him. He's going to bring me into the family. And these people are going to celebrate. And I'm going to celebrate. And my life is never going to be the same. It's about me today. So, Lord God, I just want to ask you that whoever it is that's in this place today that realizes that that really the party that you want to throw today, the celebration that you have at the end of this service today, that really that party is for them. And God, it's for all of us because nothing will bring us greater joy than seeing our brother or sister come home. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by Christ United. If you'd like to respond to today's message, or if you want to share how God is using this ministry in your life, please send us an email to media at Christislove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at Christ United MB. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you.